Now, when I was growing up, I had a number of Mr. Men books. If you remember those, I think they're still around. I think you can still get them. And the one that I had was called Mr. Topsy Turvy. It's not a word you hear very often now, is it? Topsy Turvy? It means upside down, the wrong way round. And if any of you remember that book, this is how it began. Everything about Mr. Topsy Turvy is upside down, or inside out, or back to front. He's a funny sort of fellow. You ought to see his house. The front door is upside down, to start with, and the curtains hang upside down. I won't read any more of the book, but that's how it began. There probably wasn't a lot more. There were only small books, but we'll move on from that. Dare I say it, but the kingdom of God is a little bit topsy-turvy. It's a little bit, not quite like that, but you know what I mean. It's a bit upside down. It's a bit back to front. It's not always what we expect. And we're going to look at that this morning. We started the Luke series with the reference that Jesus made to the prophecy from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, which say this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus told his hearers at the time, as he was speaking that, that that prophecy from Isaiah was fulfilled in him, in Jesus. And our series from the book of Luke, we're looking at how Jesus then went on to fulfill that in his life and his ministry, in everything that he did. In effect, what Jesus was saying as he said he was the fulfilment of that prophecy was, the kingdom of God is now here. The kingdom of God, his rule and reign. You know, we talk about the kingdom of God and don't often explain what that is. Basically, his rule and reign. Having things his way, doing things his way. And when the kingdom of God comes, those things in Isaiah 61 start to happen. There's freedom for the captive, there's healing, and there is favour. Now, Jesus was early on in his ministry when he was talking about this, and the Messiah, the one who was going to save the Jewish nation, had been waited for for a long time. And finally, he was here, bringing in the rule of God, the kingdom of God. But he wasn't doing it in the way that was expected. What had been expected was an overthrow of the brutal Roman regime that was oppressing the Jewish people, the Israelites. But that's not what they got. The overthrow was not, um, was not of the political and military regime. Rather, it was the overthrow of their hearts. Jesus came to overthrow the heart, not a political regime. My question for us today as we look at this is, are you ready to have your heart overthrown by the Messiah? 
in order for his kingdom to rule and reign in you and through you. Now, the part of Luke that I'm speaking from today is is not the bit with Isaiah, but we're referencing that. But it's a huge chunk of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. I am going to read it fairly quickly. Otherwise, I'll run out of time. Um, So it's Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 49. We're going to look at just a few elements of it, not all of it. But let me read that to us now, to you now. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus. And Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for now you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And for one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And for one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell And the ruin of that house was great. I told you it was a long passage, but I wanted to read it so you get the context of what we're looking at. I'm not going to cover all of it. There will be big chunks that I miss out, but I think we'll have plenty for this morning. So let's dive in. The rough overview of that passage is this. We see Jesus starts with prayer. Then he calls the apostles out from the disciples. When it talks about the disciples, there were lots. And he calls the twelve, the apostles, out from them to be a close, a close-knit bunch around him. And look at the ones he calls. He calls fishermen. He calls a tax collector. They weren't that highly regarded in those days. Maybe things haven't changed so much sometimes. A zealot. I mean, he picks these people. Some of them, we don't even know what they do. They're not your obvious world changers. And you start to see here something of the nature of the kingdom of God. It's not obvious. It's not the ones you'd expect. It's not the powerful and the wise that he calls. And then Jesus begins to teach this wider group of disciples. And it's radical teaching. It's upside down teaching. And there are three distinct sections that we'll look at broadly this morning. And Jesus starts to show them that it's not the physical rulers and authority, the military that he's come to overthrow. He starts to show them that it's their hearts that need to change. So firstly, we see a section from verse 20 to 26 where we have four blessings followed by four woes. These are really tough verses. There are a lot of different opinions on these verses. And I haven't frustratingly got time to unpack all of it. 
But what we can see from here is the nature of the kingdom of God. Let me first state here what Jesus is not saying. You see, he opens up with blessed are the poor. Okay, let's get this one thing straight. Jesus is not saying it's really good to be poor, that poverty is a good thing. It's not. But we have to remember that he's speaking to his many disciples who would have been poor, many of them, materially poor. Poverty is not a good thing. It takes away hope. It takes away dignity. There's that feeling that things can never get better. But Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are putting their trust in me. Even though you're poor, you now have hope. You've got something, someone to look to, something to look forward to. He's not guaranteeing that they will come out of their poverty in that moment. But what he's saying is, you are now mine and that makes you rich in a different way. And we do know that when the kingdom of God fully comes, he will end poverty for good. When Jesus returns, when he wraps things up at the end of time, poverty will go. The next two blessings are the same principle. I will supply all of your needs when you're part of this kingdom, Jesus is saying. I will supply food. I will supply laughter. I think what he's also saying here is the reason that you are blessed and that yours is the kingdom is because a rich and materially satisfied life would have got in the way or may have got in the way of them turning to him. There's hope for the poor. There's a way out. There's dignity for them in the kingdom of God. Remember from Isaiah 61, it's good news to the poor. Many of his followers that day would have converted from Judaism and been thrown out of the temple, often thrown out of their families. They would have had nothing. But Jesus was saying, it is worth it to know me. It is worth it because of what you will get. And it's the same now for the poor and the hungry. They can be described as blessed when they know Jesus. But we have some contrasting woes as well. And we need to deal with those. Because we have here, woe to the rich, woe to the full, woe to the laughing. Now, right now, as of this moment, I have eaten my breakfast and was satisfied. It would have been nicer to have a cooked breakfast, but what I had was fine. I was full. Right now, as of this moment, I have money in the bank and a job where I earn. And I have, on, on occasion, been known to laugh as well. So does this mean those woes are on their way to me? Does this mean that hunger, weeping and destitution are on their way to me? Because right now I can be described as rich and full and laughing. Well, that depends. It depends where my money and my food and my enjoyment come in the order of things in my life. By 
the whole world standards, I think most of us here at Jubilee, most of the people I am speaking to this morning would be described as rich by the world standards. I'm sure you've all had, or most of you have, have had breakfast this morning and will eat today. Some of you may have laughed, even through the pandemic, which has maybe dented some of our laughter. But it doesn't mean we're all doomed. What Jesus was addressing here were those who had everything and therefore saw no need to follow Jesus. They were satisfied by the things they had, their comfortable life, and didn't look to Jesus for their satisfaction. They may well have looked down on the poor as well. And we know that that happens today in our society. I've heard people say that those who are poor, it's their own fault. I've heard it said. People look down on the poor. This is the people that Jesus was addressing, those who were finding their satisfaction in material things. And he was saying, you might feel satisfied now, but that is not going to last. We need to be really careful. Is our decision-making is the way we live our lives based around making sure we keep hold of our riches, material riches, and keep a certain standard of living? Or is it based around what God wants? Are you willing to let the call of God impact your finances? Numerous times we've done that as a family. We've moved house, we've taken pay cuts, we've risked being able to put food on the table because we felt God is calling us into something different. Many years ago now, we moved up to the Midlands from down south and um, we had one child at the time, one very small baby. And I was working and Pam was at home. And we were in the position where we'd moved but we'd, because God had said move and we still had a mortgage down south and we had rent in the Midlands because things just hadn't worked out the way we thought they would. And Pam would go shopping for food and with a strict budget and with some cash. And once that cash was gone, it was gone. There was nothing else. And it wasn't a lot of cash. And the supermarket was quick save, if you remember quick save. We answered the call of God and it affected our finances. She used to have to go around and add up the shopping as she went round to make sure she didn't spend more than the cash she had and did a marvellous job of it. When the kingdom of God comes, everything gets turned upside down. But our hearts need to be turned upside down too so they're in alignment with the kingdom. If the kingdom brings upside downness to everything but our hearts don't follow, we are going to be out of step and it's not going to work. Are we willing, are we willing to go for the uncomfortable? Are we willing for it to affect our finances, our standard of living, the things we do? Are we willing for that? Because that is what God is calling us to. And if we're not willing to do that, then we have to look at those woes and see what's coming. The next section we see is from verses 27 to 42. And again, we see Jesus turning the accepted norm upside down. Love your enemies. 
Do good to those who do evil to you. How easy is it to do this? It's not, is it? It really isn't. As some of you may know, I'm going through a somewhat tricky situation at work at the moment. Changes made last summer put all our jobs at risk. And then before those changes have even been completed, they've changed everything again. And some of us have not been treated well, or it feels that way. It feels like we've been treated badly. So what is my response to that? Yes, I complain, which is not necessarily the right thing to do and not what I'm advocating. But actually, this week I've been trying to encourage those in decision-making areas that seem to be making decisions that are harming people. I've been trying to encourage them to try and build them up, to try and speak well of them, even though it seems that the things they're doing are detrimental to my career. It's hard. It's, it's, I mean, that's a, almost a trivial example because people go through much tougher things than that. But we've got to love our enemies. We've got to do good to those who don't seem to be doing good to us. This is what the Bible says. It's hard. But that's what we need to do. Now, you might say, well, it's easy for you to say that, but you don't know the situation that I'm in. Well, actually, it's not me saying it, it's Jesus. I'm just the messenger. (laughs) Jesus is the one who's instructing us to do that. And if you remember, later on in his life, he was forgiving those who nailed him to a cross as he hung on the cross. He did this. He did this. He didn't skip it. He didn't go away from this. My guess is that no one out there this morning is currently nailed to a cross or any, anything like it. Jesus set the example for us and we need to follow him. When the kingdom comes, things are turned upside down and we are the ones that need to demonstrate the kingdom of God to those around us. But we can only do that if we've allowed our hearts to be turned upside down, if we've allowed Jesus to overthrow our hearts overthrown our sinful desires, our selfish desires. Those selfish desires of a rich and easy life. You know, when I'm, it's confession time, (laughs) when I'm having a bad day at work, I can't believe I'm confessing this, when when I'm having a bad day at work, I sometimes think, now, which of my relatives do the lottery? And I wonder if they, if they win, will they give me enough money to just retire, get rid of all this and go and live just go and live in a remote on a remote Scottish mountain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing the lottery because I always think that's not a good thing to do. But I'm happy for someone else to do it if they're going to give me the no. <laughs> but do you know what? It goes through my mind. I'm being serious. This is the kind of thinking, and it's wrong thinking. We need to be transformed. That's not where Jesus wants me right now. He wants me here. And he's allowing me to go through what I go through for my good. I need to tell myself that every day. The kingdom of God just, it's not what we expect. I need to start wrapping things up. 
partly so I don't confess anything else. Um, <laughs> no, but listen, it's good, isn't it? It's good to be real and honest with each other. It's good to say, look, I'm, I'm just telling you this from the Bible, but here's where I struggle with it, and here's where I'm trying to get it right. Verses 43 to 49, we see another chunk here that I'm going to use to wrap it up. We've seen from the blessings and the woes and the instructions to love our enemies that the kingdom of God is not the same as an earthly kingdom. It's radical. It's upside down. It's completely countercultural. What the disciples who listened to this, who listened to Jesus were finding out was it was never about the overthrow of a political regime. That's why some of them missed it. But it was about the overthrow of their hearts. It was their heart response. We look back at the prophecy in Isaiah that Jesus said he was the fulfillment of. The spirit of, of God is upon Jesus to bring good news to the poor. Well, this certainly was good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. Well, this speaks into that as well. And to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus was showing that the rich are captive to their comforts. And are in danger of missing out on the kingdom. So how do we get this right now? How do, we, how do we do this? How do we make sure that we are not missing out on the kingdom of God? How do we align ourselves with the kingdom? Well, it's about our hearts being submitted to God, whatever the cost, however uncomfortable it feels. How do we know if we're getting it right? Well, verses 43 to 45 says, if our hearts are right, we'll produce the right fruit. We and others around us will see the effects of a heart in submission to God. You'll produce good things. But how do we do it? Well, we get the right foundations. Verses 46 to 49. If you hear God's words, which we have done today from the Bible, and we do them. Notice that this part about the, the wise and the foolish builders, as we call it. It's not just about hearing the word. It's about doing the word. And Jesus says someone who does what he says, who obeys what he's commanded, is like someone who builds his house on a rock and with deep foundations. And then when the storm comes, and let's face it, the storm's here. I don't just mean the weather. The storm in life is here in a way that none of us have ever experienced before. If we have the right foundations, if our hearts are aligned with the kingdom of God and what Jesus wants, then we will not fall away. If we hear God's words and do them, we won't fall away. But if we hear God's words... And we don't do what he says. Then there'll be no foundation. And this storm will cause us to fall away. You may be struggling. You may feel like you're not doing very well. You may feel like you're falling away. But if you are aligning yourself with God, if you are doing the things he asks you to do, if you are building on him, 
then no matter how it feels, you're probably doing a lot better than you think. You know, so often we are hard on ourselves. But if you are doing what Jesus has called you to do, if you're in the place he's called you to be, then you're producing the right fruit. If you are aligning yourself with the kingdom, if you're displaying the kingdom of God, if you're allowing your heart to be overthrown by Jesus, then you are doing much better than you think you are. So my question right at the very beginning today was, are we ready to have our hearts overthrown by the Messiah in order for his kingdom to rule and reign in us and through us. Those people we see every day, even in lockdown, we see some people, don't we, with work and, and other things. We are the demonstration of God's kingdom to them. Are we ready? Are we submitting to God? Are we doing what he's calling us to do? I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to pray. You'll notice that right at the beginning of this, before Jesus appointed his apostles, he prayed. If you don't know where to start, pray. If you don't know how to begin, pray. That's the way. Pray and listen. Because God wants to speak to you. God wants you to know how. To submit to him. So let's finish today. By praying. Father there's so much to take in from this. There's so much. And we've just scratched the surface. I pray that you will just speak to people. And show them. Exactly where they are lining up with you. So they can feel encouragement. This is. For us to be encouraged, Lord, we want your encouragement that we we know we're doing what you've called us to do. We're in the place that you've called us to be. Encourage us this week as we go through the week, as, as we find things hard and we struggle and there are battles. Father, I pray that we will know something of your kingdom, something of that upside downness of your kingdom just living through us. And Lord, where people struggle. Pray you'll provide breakthrough, that you will bring liberty to the captives, those who are captive to difficult situations. Lord, I pray you'll break those situations and there'll be liberty proclaimed over them this week. Those who are in difficult circumstances financially, Lord, bring breakthrough in those situations and provide because we know you are the provider. Lord, help us to align our hearts with you, to submit our hearts to you. We want to be yours. We want to be part of your kingdom. We want to display your kingdom values. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen.